Today's episode of Birds with Friends is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we are here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bowen, Sheila, the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo, Wolf, and are coming out. You with stats and things flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, no. so just do your best. <laughs> That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. <laughs> just go with what you saw today. Okay, yeah. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. For You'll sure. be wrong often, yeah. but then you can just point back to when you were right. No yeah. one will remember. No That's one's true. listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Monday morning, a special episode and an episode that uh, is basically a Sheil Kapadia dream because we've got a hard out for under an hour and Sheil doesn't have to talk to us. And uh, we've got a special guest, Dane Brugler, the draft maven, the draft guru from The Athletic who just put out a seven-round mock draft and also has uh, the definitive beast of uh, the draft process is joining us. Dane, how are you? Doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. What's your like? What's your sleep pattern like these days? Well, it's a lot better than it was. Um, and you know, I the month of March usually doesn't happen for me because um, <laughs> I'm just kind of you know focused on getting the guide done and all that. And now it's uh, actually spend time with the kids and trying to figure these guys out at, where they're going to head, where they're where they're headed in the actual draft. So. That seven-round mock was kind of part of that, trying to figure out. Okay, we know who the who the players are, and okay, now we got to figure out where they're going without these thirty visits, without the you know the pro days, and trying to you know follow the breadcrumbs. So it's a little tougher this year. The the only thing I like better than the seven-round mock is the look-ahead mock, which I'm sure we'll get from you right after the draft is over, the the, <laughs> yep. the 2021 uh, version. But yeah, to, to let everyone know what a sicko Dane is, I mean, he, he puts out the draft guide, and then a week later, he's got the seven-round mock. But uh, I spent much of my weekend going through the draft guide as we've got some uh, things going on, Eagles-related, and of course, some national stuff. But I love this, you know, this is the nugget on, on the biggest name uh, in the draft, and he wrote up Joe Burrow, and what a nugget. It is the stuff you can only find here. Has not missed a start due to injury since the fifth grade when he <laughs> broke his arm. I like read that three times. I'm like, the fifth grade? I don't know what kind of research Dane is doing, but uh, I-, I like that nugget, so definitely check that out on The Athletic. Uh, I have a question for you on the draft guide, if you don't mind, Dane. Of course. Um, you have here in, in Patrick Queen's background, that uh, uh, he batted 380 as a leadoff hitter in uh, as a as a baseball player in high school. I'm wondering if you know what his on base percentage was. 
Uh, you know what? You stumped me because I, I don't. Uh, but he was a really good baseball player. I know there's some you talked to. I talked to one of his coaches who said they kind of had a prime away from baseball and get him to focus just uh, on football because he he loved playing baseball. So that's you know usually it's basketball uh, with a lot of these guys, but but for Queen it was baseball, and so I think he could have went in that direction if he wanted to. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to the draft first, and then we can talk a little bit more about uh, all the other positions that that interest the Eagles. But um, for your seven round mock, and you can tell us a little bit about what your what your process is like. I can't imagine uh, it's a it's a seamless one to do, <laughs> you know, thirty two teams and fit all their needs in, in seven rounds. But you have the Eagles going with the linebacker Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, and so uh, it's a cold day in hell as as Howie Roseman drafts a linebacker in the first round. Uh, tell us why Murray. Tell us. Uh, about Murray and uh, why him over Patrick Queen, who's also on the board uh, in this scenario, as well as a, a few of the other wide receivers who, who might interest the Eagles. Yeah, and I know the, the Eagles have not drafted a linebacker uh, in the first round since, what, the 70s? Uh, so I, I, I realize, you know, the way I look at it is they're due. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> I know that's it, right. it, yeah, it's 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 a position of need. Uh, I think we can agree on that. Um, and look, Howie is a guy who traditionally is going to take the best player. Um, and I think sitting there in the early 20s, uh, there could be a scenario where linebacker is the best player on the board for them. And Kenneth Murray, I think, is just an easy guy to fall for uh, because of the play speed, because of the competitive energy that he brings. It's just uh, he, he, that leadership that he brings, it just instantly helps your defense. And not that the Eagles are lacking that, but you can't go wrong with a player who's going to bring that type of uh, type of energy to the field and to the locker room, to the practice field. Um, just you love the competitiveness. And then he's just he's such a, a productive player over 100 tackles each of the last two years to your team captain. Um, you know, he's uh, better up the field as a, as a linebacker, but I think that's just because what Oklahoma, Oklahoma asked him to do. He has the athletic traits where he can drop in space and, and be just fine. Um, he rarely came off the field. Uh, so just a, a durable, reliable player started 14 games last year. Uh, the year before that, and then as a freshman. So just there's a lot to like about Kenneth Murray. I don't think he's a hard sell. It's just a matter of would he be the best player or not for the Eagles when they're picking there at 21. Yeah, when I was out, we're, we're doing an exercise looking at some guys that the Eagles could take with the 21st pick. And when I was watching Murray and reading uh, what you wrote about him, Dane, I, I kind of was thinking in Eagles terms, he seemed like a ultra athletic D'Amico Ryans type. Yes, not, not, yeah. same, Did you same think that? Take. Yes. Okay, yeah, not necessarily, you know, a little bit in his style of play because he's such a, you know, violent hitter and punisher. And like you said, when he kind of uh, can get downhill, but then all the intangibles as well. But I do want to get a little bit more from you on sort of that, you know, passing situations third down because it, it looked like he was used, you know, uh, he could be used as a spy. He could be used as an edge rusher. Jim Jim Schwartz hasn't been the most creative guy with, you know, a guy like Murray. So, uh how do you think he translates on third down in passing situations uh, in the NFL? 
And I do think there there's going to be a little bit of a projection there uh, because, uh, like I said, he he was third down a lot of times. He was he was blitzing, he was uh, attacking uh, the pocket. So you know he doesn't have a he didn't have an interception uh, at Oklahoma. Uh, he had only six passes defended, and a few of those were at the line of scrimmage. So this is not a player who was consistently asked to drop and cover. But I think he has the athletic traits to do that. Um, you know, watching him move around at the combine. Um, and this is something where when we talk about the pro days, um, not having uh, he well Oklahoma did have their pro day, but he couldn't work out because the hamstring injury. So you know I, I guess that that's just something that hurt him a little bit without these uh, visits and without the one on one workouts. Um, you know he didn't have a chance to necessarily show how he can pedal, show how he can turn and transition. Um, it's just there's a little bit of, a bit of a projection there, but I think everything that he has shown. That is that he can do it. It's just he wasn't asked to consistently do it at the college level. So uh, and that's what you have to do with some of these players. You know, you take a guy like, uh, you know, Jedrick Wills uh, out of out of Alabama. He's only played right tackle his entire life, uh, high school, college. Uh, but if a team drafts him in the top 15, it might be at left tackle. And so you have to make that transition uh, that, that, that you have never seen him do it. But everything about his traits and about his ability says that he will be able to do it. It's just an interesting dynamic in this draft because without those one-on-one workouts that a lot of teams perform in the lead-up to the draft, uh, without most of these pro days, uh, you know, the coaches don't get a chance to have that one-on-one time. It's a little bit more of a projection with some of these players. Well, we know that going from one side of, of tackle to the other is like uh, writing with the opposite <laughs> hand, we learned from Andre Dillard. Go ahead, Zach. I was going to ask your rationale for Murray was was also that he's the best player on the board at that point when you look at your mock draft there you have three wide receivers going before and then so the eagles would be sitting there obviously their clear need is wide receiver do you feel there's a major drop off after those top three or do you think that's a fertile area to draft a wide receiver no i I mean fertile that's definitely a good good way to put it because there's uh the the top three might not even be the top three um you know i know some teams that have Mims in their top three. Ayuk wow. um, is a guy who some teams think is going to go sneak in that top 20. So, you know, it's just there's so many differing opinions because, you know, I, we we get talking about the same names over and over, but we have to remember that there's 32 teams, 32 different opinions. You know, we don't see these guys all the same. Um, you know, Ruggs uh, could be the first receiver drafted or he could be the fourth receiver drafted. Just comes down to uh, scheme and what you're looking for. Uh, you know, what traits do you uh, put, uh, you know, do you are you looking for on your team that's going to fit what you do in your play calling? And so, you know, I think that the, the Eagles could be in a spot where one of those three uh, receivers that we perceive as a top three could be there. Uh, but even if you say there's that next tier, there's still talent there. I mean, I, I, Denzel Mims uh, is on a rocket ship with that with his draft stock. Everything the Senior Bowl was outstanding. He he showed because at Baylor he was only asked to run so many routes, and it's not that he couldn't do it. He just you had not seen it. Then he goes to the Senior Bowl, and you see more more branches on that route tree. And okay, this footwork, his ability to sink, his ability to separate, his ability to beat press. He was doing all those things. And, you know, you're running out of reasons why Denzel Mims is not, uh, you know, shouldn't be higher in your rankings. And then he goes to the combine and completely blows it up with a 4-3, one of the best three cones uh, at the position. This is a guy that's 6'3", 210 with 
uh, arm length that literally is making offensive tackles jealous. I mean, he's just he's 33 and seven eighths arms. So there's there's so much to like about, it. and you could say a lot of a lot of what I'm saying about Mims, you could say about Ayuk with just the natural talent. Um, another guy who's a long armed player, uh, six foot two oh five, doesn't necessarily have the same size. But if he were fully healthy at the combine, I think he would have run in the in the four threes as well. He is dealing with a, a core muscle injury that he. Suffered towards the end of uh, the season last year, held him out of the Senior Bowl, and then he ran with it at the Combine, uh, ran a four five zero. But then he decided to get surgery afterwards. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think with these receivers and Justin Jefferson as well, I think if the Eagles want to go receiver, there are going to be plenty of options. But I, it's also interesting when you talk about the second round guys because there's that's the reason if to, reason not to draft a receiver in the first round because you feel so good about your options that'll be there in round two that you feel like okay well this this position is not going to stretch like like wide receiver will so we're going to get our linebacker here or you know whichever position they decide to go with uh in favor of uh you know waiting to get that receiver because they know that talent at the at the position will stretch out so that that transitions well to uh, a question I wanted to ask about the receiver class as a whole, and I I don't know. Um, I think we sort of agree about this on on the birds with friends side. It doesn't seem quite as deep to me as uh, as it is being described as like historically deep. What what impresses me is like the depth from you know wide receiver four to wide receiver twelve. Those guys who are going to go in the first two rounds. Do you really think that it is uh, super deep beyond that? And then the flip side to that is uh, in your draft. You know, you have uh, Mims going off as the fourth receiver at 22, and then Jefferson at 30, I think, and five guys going in the first round. And it's it, you're right, as you just talked about, you can see a scenario play out where the receivers all get pushed up the board because once the run starts, you don't want to miss out. But then you can also see everybody waiting because they think they can get that guy in the second round. I think it's one of the more uh, interesting dynamics in this draft when, when it does happen. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we're going to see teams... You know, like especially offensive tackle, uh, I think that's a good way to describe or kind of compare the you know two positions that are very different that are both stacked at the top. Offensive tackle, there is a steep drop off. It is a very top heavy position this year, which is a big reason why we're going to see six, maybe even seven. Uh, offensive tackles go in the first round where at wide receiver the drop off isn't as steep and so that's why their teams might be more inclined to go at at a different position Uh, I I do think this this position at receiver does I I think it does stretch into the fourth round fifth round a little bit now obviously there's going to be a drop off Uh, you know we're talking about dropping full rounds Uh, but I do think that there will be third round receivers they're still around in the fourth there will be fourth round receivers that are still around in the fifth just because there are only so many spots for these guys to go uh on, on average we see about 12 and a half receivers go in the top 100 picks every year this year i mean good luck trying to limit your list of just 12 receivers uh in the top 100 there's just too much talent at the position and so uh, this it'll stretch out a little bit into that fourth round and then into the fifth round uh, I, I expect several teams to double up at receiver. I mean, maybe even the Eagles, they could do that uh, with if, if they have a third round grade on a player like, uh, you know, say, say Colin Johnson from Texas, they have a third round grade on him and he's still around in the fifth round. I could see them doubling up uh, just because there's going to be terrific value uh, that maybe they didn't expect to happen when they went into the draft. 
Well, one guy we're talking about the your, your next pick for the Eagles in the uh, seven round mock. He was sort of my favorite among the second tier of wide receivers, and that was Jalen Rager. You had going to the Eagles uh, at fifty three. There, give us sort of your thoughts on how he uh, translates to the NFL level. The issues he obviously had, uh, you know, playing with the the quarterback play. He got last year, and uh, also if there are any comps, just kind of the, the style of wide receiver he is, if he reminds you of anyone uh, in the NFL. Yeah, and, and the comp thing is interesting because there's um, I've got a bad or a comp that is not a flattering comp, and then a, a comp that kind of you know is a little more flattering. But um, yeah, he, he's he's a player. I think it's easy to like when you watch throw on some Jalen Rager highlights and it's just like, okay, yeah, I'm on board. I mean, this guy is, he's undersized. He's uh, just under 5'11", 206, uh, but you don't have to worry about explosiveness with him. A little surprised he ran a 4.47, uh, but, you know, I, I thought he'd be at least in the low 4.4s. But, uh, you know, this is a player where he jumped uh, fantastic, 42 in the vert, 11.6 in the broad. His three cone wasn't great. Uh, and you look at his production, uh, it, it, you know, nosedived uh, as a, as, a, as a junior this past year, but you know, as you kind of alluded to, the quarterback situation dealing with a freshman quarterback. I mean, think about the talent level at quarterback. How it's just going to go up uh, immensely from last year to this upcoming season. No matter where he lands, um, you know, his quarterback play is going to be uh, it, it's like he's never seen before. Uh, but this is a player who can create before and after the catch. He can help you out on special teams. Um, you know, there are times at, at the, uh, I think he has strong hands. Sometimes his focus is a little off. And so the ball skills are, uh, an area where he needs to be a little more consistent, but, um, I think that he has, he, he will go attack the football. Um, you know, he will not wait the, for the ball to get to him. Um, so I, I think his ability to out, out physical corners downfield, uh, makes him more than just, uh, you know, he's not just an inside guy. He can play outside and be just fine. There is a little bit of like a Corey Coleman to him, and I think that worries me a little nice. bit. That that was the bad comp I was talking about. Um, but you know, we're we're talking about a you know a player who's probably going to be go somewhere in the mid second round, and so that's part of the reason why. Um, but I think on the on the good side, you know, there's some Brandon Cooks to his game too. Where, um, but where I think Rager's a little different is I think you know he's more of an outside receiver than I think you know Cooks is. Uh, and you know, regardless of how you feel about cooks he's he's been a, a productive player uh when he's been healthy uh, so uh, I, I think with with rager uh, he, he he we're in a loaded class like this he's going to get probably discounted a little bit um where you know he's going to be the seventh eighth ninth receiver off the board and I, I think there's a good chance he outplays his draft position and and to follow up on that too i i do have non-receiver questions but but while we talked about Rager and Ruggs, it, the, the clear need for the Eagles is that downfield threat. We can all look at the 40 times, but but who in this draft do you think are the, are the, are the, are the receivers that can fill that role, that can stretch the field? Well, I, you know, I think Rager can do that. Um, I, I do think that, uh, for me, Ayuk, he definitely fits that. Love his tracking skills. Love his ability to uh, – and that's why I think in my previous mock draft, I had uh, Ayuk going to the Eagles in that mock uh, scenario just because I think he's a natural fit. He's a big-time yak player where he can take simple slants and take it the distance, but he also has the tracking skills where – 
you know, he can track the ball over his shoulder. He can create that separation. He's got that second gear where it's not just a, he's not just a one speed player who's going to try and stack corners and, and win vertically. He's got tempo to what he's doing out there. And there are plenty of times when you watch his tape where he had to slow down at the top of his route, uh, whether it's a post or a, a nine or whatever it was, he had to slow down because the ball, he had to wait for the ball to get to him. He, he just has that type of speed. Uh, and it's something that helps open up underneath stuff uh, for a guy like that. So Ayuk, I, I think, would fit that very well um, if, if the Eagles wanted to go that direction in the first round. Um, I think Rager uh, would fit as well. That makes some sense. Um, if they waited a little bit, um, you know, then I think it gets a little more dicey uh, with who they go after. I mean, yeah, you know, maybe a Chase Claypool can do that for you. Um, you know, he's a, a guy that is a little different because he's over 6'4", almost 240 pounds, but he's a 4'4 athlete. So he can get downfield and be a guy that just out-rebounds the ball. So a little bit different style um, of player who's going to stretch the field and be a downfield playmaker, but it's still a, a guy that could be productive uh, if that's what you're wanting him to do. So from a, uh, like, let's say, best player available standpoint at 21, the guys who are not necessarily, uh, well, I mean, the Eagles actually have a ton of positions of need, like every position on defense you could argue is a position of need, but uh, guys who you could hope that maybe fall to 21 who are right now projected to go in the top 15 or so, uh, I'm talking like Javon Kinlaw, C.J. Henderson, and uh, Caleb on Chase on. Those three guys, can you give us sort of a breakdown of, of those guys, and, and would they be uh, worthy of, like, run run the pick to the podium or, you know, quickly text Roger Goodell that you want the pick to be made uh, <laughs> as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to find a, a wide receiver need? Yeah, I think well, I, and I think with Kinlaw, it just comes down to your comfort with um, the medicals, comfort with um, – you know, that he's going to reach his potential is immense. And it's just, it, you have to feel comfortable with him and his injury history that he's going to reach that. Um, and if you are, then yes, I think he's worth uh, running the pick up. But the other two guys, I just don't see any way they, they get out of the top 20. Um, I, I tell you what, you're, you're, uh, your foes in that division uh, picking at number 17, they, they want both those guys. And uh, they will be happy if one of two are available but I don't think either of those two would be available for the Cowboys uh, at 17. And that's that's who they really want. They really want C.J. Henderson. They really want Clavion Chase on. Um, and I just I, I don't think that either one will be available for him. I have Henderson going to top 10 of my mock just because, you know, he's six one. He's got long arms. He's a four three athlete. Um, I wish he were a better playmaker, um, you know, had more picks. I wish he was a better tackler. But those things you can work on. Um, everything else is what you what you love about C.J. Henderson. I think he could. There I, there will be some scouts around the league who push for him over Okuda. Um, I don't think that'll actually happen on draft night. But there at least those conversations are being had. Uh, and then with Chase on, um, you know that type of burst, that type of explosiveness off the edge. Those guys just go high. Um, you know, and he's he's not finesse. I mean, he's a guy that'll use his hands. He'll convert speed to power. He'll look to go through you. Um, you know, there's there's more to him than just being explosive off the edge. So I, I would be surprised if uh, if any of those three were still around. But if it, if one of them is, I think it would be Kinlaw, and it comes back to just you know the comfort whether because not every team's going to have that comfort that he's going to reach that immense potential that he offers. 
I definitely have some follow-ups here, but it, it is almost lunchtime. So we, we've got to talk lunch right here in between the never-ending laundry cycles, incoming emails. You've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more and zero delivery fees for their first month when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BIRDS. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees for a month when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BIRDS. Don't forget, that's code BIRDS for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Uh, you mentioned Kinlaw there, and my thing with the Eagles and Kinlaw at 21 is pretty much exactly what Dane said, that if he drops all the way to 21, then I would be thinking, wait a minute, you know, there probably is sort of a, a medical issue that other teams are, are seeing. Maybe, you know, we didn't get it. It's been a weird pre-draft process, but that's why uh, that one might make me a little bit nervous, where if he gets down to kind of that far in the draft, then you really have to think about, are you are you getting a steal? Are you seeing something other people aren't seeing? Or are you sort of uh, on the other side of that? But uh, it, it is a very interesting draft position because I, I see guys like uh, all the way throughout your top 50, Dane, where I'm thinking, uh, you know, why why wouldn't this guy be able to sneak in to the first round? And I know one guy that I had like that, that uh, Zach and Bo had a, a little bit lower, but I, I know you're high on him, but I wanted to get your take on why he's not a first round pick or, or whether he could be. And that's uh, Trevon Diggs, the cornerback from Alabama, obviously a position of need uh, for the Eagles. I think you've got him as your fourth rated cornerback. So uh, give us kind of the pros and cons uh, of Diggs. Yeah, and speaking of the Cowboys, that's that's where I had they them going. Um, I, I believe that their board is uh, is Chase on and Henderson at the top, and then if both those two guys are gone, so I think they're going to the Alabama secondary. Whether that's Xavier McKinney or if they go Diggs. Um, uh, there's a lot of different opinions on, on him. He, obviously, his older brother's been in the league the last few years, now with the Bills, Stephon Diggs. Um, Trevon, the former receiver himself, moved to corner. So you see those natural ball skills when the ball's in the air. He will go up and get it. Soft hands. If the interception is there to be made, he's going to make it. Um, it you like the size, 6'1 and a half, 205 pounds. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a ton of numbers on him because he did not work out uh, at the combine. Chose not to. And of course, no pro days. So we do not have official numbers on on digs. And that's, that's a big uh, thing that's missing with him. Um, now, watching him on film, he's plenty athletic. I, I don't question his athleticism. His long speed is, you know, is he a 4-5-1 guy or a 4-4-4 four, four, four guy? That, that There's some questions there. Uh, and it's also tough when, because Alabama kind of let him be an athlete. Uh, you don't see a lot of pedaling. You don't see a lot of, you know, technically sound movements from him. It's just kind of like, okay, you go be an athlete, just cover him. And that Alabama was fine with that. And he, he did that. And so the technique is very sporadic and, that's going to frustrate some defensive backs coach when he gets to the NFL. But the athletic traits, uh, the read-react skills, 
Um, I, I just there's a lot to like about him, just the natural talent. And so needs to clean up a few things, which you know there might be some hiccups as a rookie as he adjusts. But the natural talent says he's going to be a long-term uh, NFL starter on the outside. I'll, I'll quickly jump in on, on the corners. My question uh, is, like, I like Trayvon Diggs too, but to me it seems like the uh, the second wave of corners, like corners three through seven, mm-hmm. uh, it's that classic thing of, like, you know, you could ask 20 guys and you'd get 20 orders. Right. Like Gladney, Trayvon Diggs, Jalon Johnson, A.J. Terrell, and Christian Fulton. Um, I know that that's basically how you have them ranked, but doesn't it? It, it seems to me like it would be sort of uh, folly at 21 to think we are the team who uh, who knows which of these guys is the next best. How, how do you separate that that jumble of guys? Yeah, no, that's tough because I, I think you, you're spot on with uh, you know C.J. Henderson. You know Okuda was the top guy, and then C.J. Henderson established himself as the number two guy leaving the combine, and then there are so many differing opinions about uh, three through seven i would say even three through nine uh at the corners and a lot of differing opinions about the order differing opinions about how early they should be drafted uh and you know there's there are some teams who believe aj terrell's worth a, a, a top 20 pick uh, the corner out of clemson so you know I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he went uh that high he might not even be on the board for the eagles at 21 um there's a lot of jalen johnson fans around the league um so it just you know it, it just depends on your preference and maybe what you're looking for at the position. Some guys have more versatility than others when it comes to inside outside or, or man zone, uh, you know, press off, things like that. Uh, but, you know, I think that, you know, the reason I have Gladney at uh, three is just the ball production. Uh, he's a bulldog at the position. He's not going to give you an easy rep. Uh, now he's working through a meniscus uh, injury that he played through his entire uh, senior season. Um, so that's just, you know, one more thing you have to worry about with him. And, and it's, it's tough with some of these uh, medical rechecks this year. Um, it's, it's something that's very different with the combine. You know, we, everyone had their, their injuries, uh, their, their medical stuff figured out, but then there's also a, you know, a group, whether it's a dozen, two dozen uh, players that are uh, either had another follow-up surgery or had recent surgery and they had to go back to Indianapolis for the rechecks and we don't have that this year so what they're doing is each player is assigned an nfl trainer wherever they're quarantined you know the nearest nfl trainer and then the different teams are allowed to ask that trainer to look for different things with that player uh and uh, you know the it's not just the trainer but the pt staff um, you know, there's follow-ups. Uh, it's something that's just, it's all different this year. And so uh, the trainer then uploads all that information to the Combine website and teams have access to that. And so for a player like Gladney, that that's when it really comes into play. Uh, for a player like Diggs that we just talked about, not every team's going to be on board with his kind of, uh, you know, athleticism over technique standpoint at the position. Um, for A.J. Terrell, he's a 6'1", 195-pound corner with 4'4'2 speed. But, you know, his tape was very uneven. So teams are trying to figure him out. Uh, you know, a player that has the traits, but he needs coached up. You know, there are plenty of coaches who will say, oh, we can do that. And, you know, he could be drafted in the top 20 picks. So, yeah, these corners, I think I could sell you on, you know, five or six of them being the third corner drafted. It's just going to come down to preference, scheme fit, and, you know, the, the medicals, things like that for the order they ultimately end up come off the board. Dane, I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at and thinking about this edge rusher class. This is a position that 
the Eagles prioritize if, if positions are equal, if there's a linebacker and an edge rusher that are equal, the Eagles will go with the with the, with the with the defensive end. And frankly, if you look at their roster, their depth, it's a lot of third round, fourth round, fifth round guys who frankly play like that. Uh, so if if the Eagles made that investment this year in the first round, the second round, obviously they're they're not they're not getting Chase Young like you said. Chase on might be ambitious, but who are those DNs there in the top sixty that that makes sense for the Eagles? And if they did wait like they did in the past, is there anyone who fits the Eagles' profile in those middle rounds? Yeah, well, I think if they go that direction in the first round, which I think, you know, to your point, the, the Eagles, uh, they, they obviously they value pass rush and no team has uh, enough pass rush uh, depth. And I think the Eagles fall under that category. Uh, Yitri Grossmatos from Penn State would be an interesting fit. Uh, 6'5", 266, a uh, long, flexible cor- uh, edge rusher who he brings something a little different than some of these other players. He's still figuring out how to use his hands, but he's not afraid to use them. Um, you know, in terms of his countermeasures, needs to get a little bit better, uh, but he's he's very eager to get after the pocket. Uh, he can reduce inside. He can stand up. You can do some different things with him. And I think we could absolutely end up looking at this draft in three years and saying, geez, how did this guy last all the way to 21 uh, in the Eagles? Uh, because I think he has that type of ability. It's just a matter of getting it all out of him. Um, and so, you know, there's he's physical versus the run. Uh, I, I like the way he holds up uh, versus tackles. Uh, so, yeah, Gross Matos, he's an easy player to like. Super productive. And the last two years, 35 tackles for loss combined. So, a uh, big fan of him. If they wait till, say, day two, um, I, I the big thing will come down to Terrell Lewis and the injuries. You know, just talked about the medicals and Terrell Lewis without the medicals he's a top 20 guy top 25 guy we'd be talking about him as a possibility at 21 but because uh you know he didn't play he missed basically all of the last two years or 2017 2018 before coming back in 2019 um he had an elbow injury had an ACL tear uh he actually has more career sacks eight than he does career starts four uh, at the college level. So, wow. you know, there's <laughs> that's pretty good, like but that. there's a reason for that. And so you worry. And so it comes down to the medicals. Um, it, there's a lot to like about them. It just comes down to do you, does the doctor sign off? You know, is he give you the thumbs up that he's worth the chance there and in, in the second round? Um, I think if, if he should be on the radar, if so, and then if they, they don't go, uh, if they want to stay, stay clear of the injury stuff, then, you know, maybe uh, a Curtis Weaver from Boise State. Um, he's a guy that, bad body guy doesn't have uh you know necessarily you know test off the charts uh you know he didn't run the 40 yard dash at the combine for a reason but this guy has been super productive the last three years at boise love the way he uses his hands love the aggressiveness that he rushes with he's going to be somewhere in that late second um early third so maybe that's an option uh for the eagles that would make sense and then the eagles they, they seem to find those guys who maybe don't always there, there's something wrong with them but they they were always productive and a guy like Bradley Anai from Utah, yeah, I think he would fall under that category. He's Utah's all-time leading sack artist. Uh, his sacks went up every single year, including 13 this past year, which uh, you know was a uh, among the best in the Pac-12. Uh, shorter-armed guy, and so you know you, you worry about that. He ran a 4.9 at the combine. You worry about that. 
But that first step, that quick takeoff that he has, all the different uh, things that he has in his bag of tricks, uh, whether it's club move, um, he's got different uh, scissor chop. He can do different things that really, uh, you know, catches your eye and says, "Okay, that'll work. That'll that that'll translate to the next level." And so those aggressive hands, uh, you could let him play against the run. He can play the pass. Uh, I think Bradley and nine in round three would be very good value for a team like the Eagles. I can see Zach repurposing that Terrell Lewis stat like 10 times over the next four years. You got it. Uh, I think we've done. Uh, no, I was going to ask you if you thought Howie Roseman would lead with that. It is, on, on, you know, on one hand, the sacks part of it is good, but I think uh, more, you know, more double the sacks than starts. I don't know if that would, uh, that might get played on Sports Talk Radio. Oh, well, as you know, Sheila, we love to uh, deploy a rotation at the defensive line. So we're looking for a guy who can be productive without uh, starting. Uh, I think we've done a good job of peppering you with like every possibility at 21, except for one, um, and that is safety. And uh, you have Xavier McKinney at the top of your safety board, but but also uh, no safeties going in the first round. I want to ask you about McKinney and Grant Delpit, who I know is uh, not the world's greatest tackler, mm-hmm. but those are the two guys who uh, who it looks to me could be possibilities for the Eagles. Yeah, McKinney, he's he's more of your all-around guy, uh, can do a little bit of everything, really good run defender. Um, I, I do worry about him when he's asked to drop in space. For safeties, one of the biggest things that I look for when it comes to coverage is just that spacing relationship uh, with routes. And that comes down to understanding route combinations, uh, just because you, you're you want to keep one eye on the backfield, but you're also identifying, uh, you know, breaking down, uh, recognizing which routes are being run. And I think Xavier McKinney, that's where he's that's where he's behind for a little bit. Uh, and that South Carolina tape sticks out for me more than any other. Uh, throw on that tape, you can see Brian Edwards or some of their other receivers uh, creating separation, uh, driving him off the route, things like that. So that that's what I do worry about with a player like that. But I think he's. He's super consistent. I think you know exactly what you're getting with McKinney. Uh, I think there's a he's got a low bust factor, uh, just as long as you understand that he's a very good run defender and a so-so uh, coverage guy. But that's why I think, and, that, and it's one of the reasons why I think he could go as high as, say, 17 to the Cowboys, or he could fall to the second round just because he is nothing. He's not, he's not a guy that I think you project as a pro bowler, but he's just a solid player where you have a, a firm grasp of what you're getting. And there's, there's value in that, you know, those uh, maybe not a high ceiling guy, but he's a high floor guy. And so there's, there's certainly value in that. And then with Grant Delpit, he's more of the opposite where, uh, you know, the, the tackling could be a deal breaker because of the missed tackles. And we can, we can talk uh, you know, at length about his ankle injury and how he's banged up. And But when you're watching some of these missed tackles, you cannot tell me that it's just a gimpy ankle is making him fly by uh, the ball carrier and sliding off him. It, it comes down to play strength. It comes down to uh, the just the overall technique, which I think is fixable. You know, He can get better uh, with uh, just more discipline added to his breakdown, uh, calming his feet. Uh, you know, just keeping his eyes elevated and wrapping and finishing, uh, he can get better in that in that area, and uh, I think he will with the right coaching as long as he's dedicated towards it. And what you like about Delpit is the range. You love uh, what he can do as a, as a deep cover man. Um, you know, he's six two, two fifteen, has the size, has the speed. Even though we uh, unfortunately he did not run at the combine, we do not have an official time for him. But you can just watch him play. You see the range. Um, but it's just, can you get past uh, some of the his his hiccups and run as a run defender and as a as a player who, as a safety, there are just some coaches who are saying, okay, you're my last line of defense. If you can't tackle, I'm not 
going to draft you. And, uh, you know, I, I like I do not think Grant Delpit will be uh, a part of the New England Patriots just because I don't think Bill Belichick is going to watch his tape and say, yeah, OK, we can we, we, we can look past his tackling issues. Like, I just I don't think that's going to happen. Now, another team might be more willing to look past it and try to coach him up in that area and look to capitalize on what he can do versus coverage. But he's just not going to be for everyone. Hmm. Do you have some uh, woodpecker you rather spell that you were trying to sneak sneak in here? Yeah, of course. I just I don't want to steal your thunders. It's like unbelievable to listen to Dane speak so like encyclopedically about every single player who we throw at him. It's unbelievable. Um, all right, these. Let me give you a couple woodpecker you rather's for trade scenarios. Uh, for the but, but you might want what? you might kind of want to explain you know <laughs> not everybody knows these I'm weird let names him figure it out. these strange this is a this is classic Bo Dane he just goes with the stuff <laughs> assumes everyone knows what he's talking about I mean I'm sure you could figure it out you're a smart guy I but. feel like Woodpecker you rather is as <laughs> is as easy to figure out as anyone okay. uh, Woodpecker you rather have uh, Jerry Judy or Kenneth Murray, Reggie Robinson, and A.J. Dillon. So this would be uh, the Eagles moving up to 15 in your mock and giving up their uh, third and fourth round pick. Hmm. So I'm giving up a corner and a running back, uh, but I'm getting arguably the best receiver in the class. Um, I'd be inclined to uh, I'd, I'd be inclined to make that move. I, I'm I'm going to go get the receiver. I'm going to go get a guy who uncovers at will. Uh, and that's what you like about Jerry Judy is route running, his play speed, the break and balance skills. Uh, he, he can leave defenders just grasping for air uh, with, with his ability to move that play speed. So, you know, I would hate to give up that those picks. But, I mean, when you look at it, it's uh, that, that pick in the in the thirds kind of a little bit later on. And the because it's a comp pick, right, I believe. Yes. Uh, so it's outside the top yeah, 100. So we talk about the Eagles. We talk about the Eagles' picks. Like you know, they've got a three and and three fourths. Like their three is one of the last ones right. in the round, and their their fourths are the last two picks in the round. So it's uh, it's a little bit misleading. I so think. yeah, I, I, I'm giving up two picks outside the top 100 to go get a, an impact guy from day one. I'm going to do that. Uh, okay. The flip side then is if they traded down from 21 based on your board, mm-hmm. Woodpecker, you rather have Kenneth Murray or Jalen Johnson and Malik Harrison. Mm. Uh, that's a, that's a good one. I I, I would go for uh, more of the quantity over the quality there because I I think Malik Harrison is one of the best run defenders in this class, and he's kind of similar to Murray where he doesn't have a ton of coverage reps on his tape. But when you watch him move, you say, okay, this guy can do it. I mean, he he was dunking uh, basketballs in the sixth grade. I mean, he is not a bad athlete by any means. So, you know, just how Ohio State deployed him, um, you know, they asked him to be a downhill defender. And uh, he was a high school quarterback who who he wanted to play receiver when he got to Ohio State. They moved him to linebacker and he just got progressively better each and every single year. Uh, I talked to some scouts last summer who gave him a third round grade and I'm watching his his tape. I'm like, I just don't see it. And then this year I really started it. I, I didn't. I did not project forward enough uh, because this year he really showed that. And so he, I thought he'd turn himself into a, a top 60 type of player this year. So I would, I would trade back. I would take the Jalen Johnson, who I think is a starting caliber corner can, you know, do different things, uh, can play press man, can play off, love his business like approach uh, to everything. Uh, he's a guy that had uh, scholarship offers to USC places like that, but he went to Utah and was an all American type of type of player there. Uh, and then I'd, I'd take Malik Harrison and feel good about the two players I added compared to just the one. 
this one comes to us from uh, DFOP coach Flynn, who says, Woodpecker, you rather explain to Sheila Kapadia that FCS players are draft eligible and frequently <laughs> make NFL rosters, or rank the top tight ends in Mount Union football history? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's that's a good one um look fcs matters too i'll say that uh division two matters uh too division three matters too as a d as a d3 guy um as someone that uh coming from the d3 level you know i i had a chance to watch pierre garcon every single day in practice and in games and um that's and I, i i owe pierre garcon a lot because without him we didn't have scouts coming to mount union uh my senior year and we didn't i that that was my networking that is how i got started in this and so i i owe pierre a lot i haven't talked to him and that's probably been seven eight years now but i owe him a ton uh, for the just the exposure in that in that regard uh but yeah these small school guys this year uh it'll be interesting to see who's the first one drafted um because I don't think I had one in my first round. Uh, I don't think I had a non-FBS guy in the first round. But then in the second round, they, they a couple of them went off the board pretty quick. I think Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern mm-hmm. Illinois, I think he was my first non-FBS guy drafted. Um, and then the other, I like a Jeremy Chin. Super athlete. I mean, he's your. He might be your. Uh, you know Isaiah Simmons light in 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 round two because he's just can do so many things for you. Can he he's got corner experience, can play safety. Um, it's obviously a freak athlete. Um, Kyle Duggar, uh, Division two, he's he's in the second round. I think he's I just love what he he offers. Uh, ben Barch, Division three, uh, snuck into that second round for me. So I've got. I think I've got yeah F- FBS uh, Division two uh, FCS Division three all represented in the second round of my mock draft. So, Coach Flynn says for the record he's the the third greatest tight end in Mount <laughs> Union history. Go ahead, Shield. Well, just to clear my name, I mean, of course, Mount Union is the official D three school of birds with friends. All we have as guests are D three uh, uh, <laughs> alumni. I am pro D three. Uh, what I, what what I was against was using resources to take a uh, a, t- a backup tight end uh, in the second round when you had a lot of needs, including wide receiver, which I've been proven correct on. But Bo, go ahead, continue the game. <laughs> uh, I have a uh, I have an owl you know for you, Dane. Uh, okay. This will also be easy to figure out. The question is, who <laughs> is your favorite D three quarterback or day day three quarterback? Uh, oh, I, okay. Well, we could do both. Um, y- you know, my, my <laughs> favorite D, my favorite D three quarterback is Brock Rudder from North Central. Uh, <laughs> oh, not, he's not the biggest guy. Uh, yeah. Brad Rudder. Wow. <laughs> he's not the biggest guy, but he's he uh, led. Uh, he, he had a big time senior year. Led North Central to the D three championship, and uh, so I, I, scouts took notice of him. He he worked out at the Northwestern Pro Day. Um, and you know, he, he's a guy that I can't believe you have an answer for this question. This is he's not. going, he's not going to get drafted, but he is, he will be in camp somewhere. Um, and my favorite day, day three quarterback, uh, probably I'd probably just go with James Morgan. I mean, I like Anthony Gordon a lot from Washington state, but James Morgan, I, I, I really like what he has to offer from, uh, you know, above the neck. I think he has the smarts. Um, he graduated from Bowling Green in three years. Uh, was a graduate transfer to FIU, uh, and the last two years uh, he, he did a nice job under Butch Davis there, and you know he was a big part of why they beat Miami this past year. Only there, I couldn't believe it. Only a second time FIU beat a Power Five opponent, um, so a big win for that program. 
James Morgan was a part of that. I think he's got all the arm strength necessary. Uh, needs to cut back on some of the bad decisions. Uh, needs to be uh, tweak his technique a little bit, which will affect his uh, help his accuracy. Um, so that, and there's a reason we're talking about him as a fifth, sixth round guy. But if I'm looking for a developmental quarterback, James Morgan on day three would be uh, on the top of my list. I'm I'm all in on Brock Rudder. Uh, 71% completion last year, 56 touchdowns. A much better prospect than Clayton Thorson was last year, in my opinion. Well, uh, that's right. And a, and a fantastic name. And, ch- uh, and, Dan and, shared and, with and check me out his, Kevin Fishbein's ahead, article Zach. on him. I, yeah, I was exactly. going to say check out Kevin Fishbein's article on him. Yeah, oh, Kevin, nice. Kevin just did a, a great piece on on him and his uh, his rise to uh, being a legitimate NFL prospect. So it's it's worth the read. That's cool. Uh, Dane shared with me like the screenshot of his schedule for today, and it is insane. He's got like like radio hit after podcast after radio hit from like nine to five nonstop. So I want to give him a, a chance to breathe before his next one. Do you guys have any other uh, quick I will say questions for Dane? Everything else I reserved a half an hour, but for you guys I reserved an hour. So <laughs> oh, just, uh, thank just, you. Just put it out there uh, that uh, you know you, you guys were my favorite of the day. Oh, well, I no, you won't I'll get that you won't get any other hosts doing uh, owl noises. So uh, good good luck. though. kind of disappointed. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, that might be. I I actually do have one last question for you. Okay. I have uh, one quick hitter the, as well too. Okay, you uh, go first. You go uh, first. Okay, my quick hitter is is that I, I, I'm putting you on the spot here, but mm-hmm. I look at the receivers in next year's class uh, of Justin Ross, <laughs> Devontae Smith. Like uh, that's that's a loaded class too. Would you take yeah. the top three this year, or top four this year, or top four next year? Uh, you know, it's it's hard because I haven't done a full deep dive on those guys yet. But I mean, I think you're you're right, hitting on some of those guys. I'm a I'm a big fan. I mean, Jamar Chase from LSU is just ridiculous. Um, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, Chris Olave from Ohio State, big fan of what he's going to be. Uh, you mentioned Justin Ross, uh, Rondale Moore from Purdue if he stays healthy, Anthony Schwartz from from Auburn, and then the other Alabama receiver besides Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle, he'll be. Uh, draft eligible. So, I mean, I think we just mentioned eight, nine receivers in next year's class. Uh, I, it, it, this receiver class is has a chance to be historic, but there's not a huge drop-off, if there is a drop-off at all, in next year's class. So, it's going to be fun talking about that group. Uh, my last question is is on the beast, which I you know we mm-hmm. cannot possibly recommend uh, higher, and uh, it is like the best use of any subscription money that you you can use for the athletic. Uh, one of the things that I love the most about it is that nowhere else on the internet can I find the ages of all of these players. How long does it take you to track down all of these guys' birthdays? That's a great observation because it sometimes it takes a lot of work to troll a player's mom's twitter account and find <laughs> when she gave him a shout out like for happy birthday that is amazing um so it, sometimes <laughs> a lot of these you know it, it, it some of these colleges will make it easy and they'll just put it in the you know the background info on the website right. but there's probably about 25 percent that don't and some guys are easy you just go to their twitter page and they'll be on there for some of these other guys literally i'm i'm scouring the internet uh looking for this stuff and you know it's when I've got a, a you know a few minutes of downtime, I'll look and see who I don't have and try to spend you know half hour doing some uh, investigating. And uh, you know sometimes you have to look up 
uh, police reports to find uh, ages. Oh, I mean, you got to do whatever you got to do to to find them, and um, that, that's that's I mean, that's part of the process. That, that's part of the information that that you need to uh, you know, because the goal with the guide is if you don't know nothing about the player, it, once you read the report, uh, you have a, a decent idea of where he's been, who he is, what kind of player he is, and where he's headed. And you know, age is just it's it's a part of that part of that equation. Well, I think the beast definitely delivers on that. If that is the goal, I think you can learn uh, about everybody uh, who was written up in the draft. So, uh, do check that out. And Dane, thank you so much for for spending your time with us and giving us the extra time. Anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dane. Thank you. And uh, thank you, guys, for uh, for listening to this episode of Birds with Friends for Zach and Sheil. And I'm going to go ahead and speak for Dane. As always, we love you. Hey.